We're live. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Jonathan Kogan Show. I'm your host, Johnny K. Let's get right into it. So happy to be with you. Hope you're watching. Uh, this probably won't be on YouTube uh, for obvious reasons because uh, we are doing the forbidden. We're telling the truth. Just like Biden said, get vaccinated. We are telling the truth, you know? So speaking of the topic of vaccination, this is absolutely, we got, a, we got a lot to get into, actually. And if you wait to the end, you're going to hear an incredible speech by Dr. David Martin, who I've shared countless times on this pod, okay? Unbelievable presenter. You don't want to miss it. It'll be the last segment. He uh, visited the EU, uh, and he, he understands what happened with COVID better than anyone else. Full stop, okay? He's a biological patent expert. This is what he does. He built a, uh, a company around it. He has all the documents, all the receipts, and he calls out the WHO, everybody with details and facts and precision, and he's so good at articulating it. It's just cold, hard facts and data. I'll play that at the end. But speaking about getting vaccinated, uh, the Empire State Building has a Twitter account or an X account, and on September 16th, we're behind. Usually we're ahead, but we're behind on this pod for today. It's on the screen if you're watching on Rumble. Blue and what is it? Cayenne, C Y A N, cyan, cayenne. Is, what color is that? Blue and cayenne, like cayenne pepper, tonight in partnership with iHeartRadio in honor of a new vaccine. Is there hope for America? Is there hope for humanity? They're lighting up the Empire State Building to look like a Pfizer booster. And it looks like it, you know, because at the top, there's like a needle on the top of the Empire State Building. So it just looks like the, the tip of a, of a shot. So they're trying to make it look like a Pfizer-branded booster. They're turning the Empire State Building into a booster, okay? Now, if that isn't the propaganda and seeing who really controls the strings, big pharma, <clears throat> the elites, I don't know what else does. Because just days after that, if you go up on their X account, excuse me, <coughs> let me clear my other, mm -hmm. uh, you will see on September 18th, which is yesterday, Empire State Building, blue tonight in partnership with Clean Global in celebration of Climate Week and the Clean Global Initiative. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't like the whole Clinton nonprofit not work out so well? Did they get caught like smuggling children out of Haiti and just things didn't go well? And now they're back and they're lighting up the Empire State Building for it? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? What is that? It's unbelievable. You literally, you go from a Pfizer booster shot, just making the Empire State Building imitate a booster shot, which by the way, you can get a booster, the RSV and the flu vaccine all at the same time in whatever arm you want. You could put it all in your butt if you want. You want to put it in your neck? Just get them all, baby. It's safe. Every, every, and who's it for? Well, everybody's really different. Obviously, you, you know, we're all individuals and we have different biological, all this stuff, but Nope. This is the one thing that works for all humans six months and older. No questions asked. If you ask questions, you should be deplatformed. You should be labeled a disinformation conspiracy theorist. And perhaps you should be sent to the gulag. Perhaps. But we'll we'll just let the future take care of itself, okay? FEMA can't for you in about three years. I mean, come on. This is ridiculous. So you got Pfizer and then Clintons. Like the Clintons, who's behind everything weird, okay? Like the I saw a picture of uh, of uh, Janet Yellen, the <clears throat> the Treasury Secretary, Secretary of the Treasury, and uh, uh, 
Hillary Clinton and like the caption was it was like from the Democrats or something, some crazy X account and saying, which what two people have done better for the world than these two women? And I'm like, Hillary Clinton, Janet. First of all, Janet said in 2017, we will never see a financial crisis ever again. We'll never see it ever again. Well, let's and then Hillary Clinton. Well, let's not even get into that. Just the children, the the steel dossier putting our putting like literally committing treason in the united states of america against a sitting president that's not defending the sitting president but when you create a whole fake dossier to say the sitting president is a is an arm of putin and it's all made up and it goes to the media and there's investigations and every single night is about russia and trump and it was all made up from you and you knew it and you briefed the previous president obama on it he knew it that's just crazy that is literally, you spent an entire term of a president over something that was totally made up by the person that the sitting president ran against out of vengeance. That's insane. So we're never, we're never going to see a financial crisis anymore from the other woman sitting there, which was Janet Yellen. Is that right, Janet Yellen? Well, things uh, in the markets are looking, how do I put this mildly? Interesting, okay? We've been talking about it for a long time. You got people de-dollarizing, but listen, just what's happening? Well. Uh, permanent strike. So you got, there's a few things going on. First of all, actually, yeah, let's get, let's get the first things first. Well, permanent strike is from zero hedge. Ford lays off 600 workers due to the UAW strike. As there's, as a result of the auto worker strike, 600 Ford employees will now be taking a permanent strike. Okay. So then they got laid off, but I don't think these car manufacturers, automakers are too concerned because you have millions and millions of illegal immigrants coming through the border. So, so usually in the past, having illegal immigration and then people pushing down wages, they come in, they'll work for like a dollar. And then these corporations can have these people work in factories for like 40 hours a day or 23 hours a day uh, and make like three bucks. That was always a historically a right wing thing by the Koch brothers. That was a Koch brother thing. That was always associated with the Republicans and right wing. Now everything's flip flopped, and now it's a left thing. And perhaps they're bringing in all these people. So actually, the Daily Wire reported uh, they flew over this uh, this new uh, city that's being created by this real estate developer that holds forty to seventy five thousand people, about an hour north of Houston. Okay. And they're creating this village for illegal immigrants to live. And this real estate developer is giving them the loans and the money uh, that then they're going to basically own these people to work wherever they want. So they're creating new towns for people who are breaking the law coming in so then they can work for these corporations and big businesses for much lower than minimum wage. And so perhaps what's happening is, is you're going to have middle America lose more and more jobs. You're seeing tons of layoffs. They're going to lose more and more jobs because these people work for cheaper, okay? And they'll probably do more hours, all this stuff. And you're onshoring a lot of production from China. So we're seeing a lot of factories, you know, put here for chips and stuff. We need people working in those factories. So perhaps you're going to have the middle class lose their jobs to these people. And then the middle class, therefore, will go for unemployment and be dependent on the government, okay? And then perhaps the Biden and Democratic administration come out and say, hey, we want to give you more stimmy checks. We want to give you more money. We want to make sure we want to give you universal basic income. And so then they win voters from both sides. Is that possible? Then they have the illegal immigrants, if they ever are able to vote, like in Pennsylvania, it just passed. I love how they spin it. Uh, they're like, now when you turn 18, you're auto enrolled to vote. 
auto enrolled. Boom. So we can have maximum amount of votes. So even if you don't show up, we can use those votes. We can use them, but we're doing it because we love America. It's the sketchiest thing ever. Okay. The governor of Pennsylvania saying, I said, I'm going to approve auto. You know, we're going to, we're going to save taxpayer money. So we don't have to register people. It's all, it's, it, it's a crock of, it's a crock of poo. Okay. It just, if you want to become a dictator, that is what you do. You'd be able to have as many votes as you can send whichever way you want. It just looks so sketchy. Why? Oh my God. There's so many things. Why can't we just have the people vote and just leave every big, you know, Google stop swaying the results and tilting the scales by curating information to push a political agenda. Just let things be a, mer a meritocracy where people are able to just vote based on equal information. It's all 50, 50 and people make the best decision. But instead you have like Facebook and Google, which like 80% of the country gets their news from skewing results and then therefore altering millions of votes. There was this guy, uh, uh, Professor uh, Dr. Epstein, who was just on the Jimmy Dore show talking about how powerful this is. And they're trying to create the same system to then make this process transparent and catch these corporations and out them in the public. And then they'll stop because they'll be outed. But what's happening is you got Facebook, you got Google working. I mean, and why are all these people for one particular party, which is all the Democratic Party? Why is that? Why? What, how, how does that help everybody? I don't understand. You would think that would like hurt businesses, perhaps, you know, the ones that want to tax you more, all this stuff. It's all weird, right? But they all, it, I think really, they're just exploiting the hatred for Trump to just go 180 dictatorship the other way. That's seemingly what's going on. All right. Auto enrollment. It's just chaos. Um, and so uh, in honor of that, we're going to light up the Empire State Building with a booster. Uh, unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. So, uh, oh yeah, this is what I want to get into speaking about how the economy, you would think that big businesses would want the economy to be great, but perhaps they want to just eliminate all their competition and just create a monopoly in every sector. And they don't care if prices go down as long as they have a monopoly and a barrier of entry, like with AI and stuff, and nobody else can get in. Like they're just too far ahead. They know these big businesses know that if they capitalize on, um, AI, they can get so far ahead of the pack that no small business or startup can catch up. It's the one technology that can just make it a runaway victory, runaway victory. So listen, I, I think they know that. I think they're going all out. They're going, Google's going for ownership for the rest of the world. Like they are just going for all out. We are going to win. We're going to be a monopoly and we're just going to team up with the government and it's over. I don't know. That's what it seems like. So but the economy isn't good. And so therefore earnings will go down. And now we're seeing the results of these jacked up interest rates that were, it takes about a year for it to go through the economy. And now we're approaching that. And so what happened, I'm just looking for it right now. Uh, oh, in fact, I, I did retweet it. Uh, so let me just pull it up real quick. So treasury, 10 year yield rises to 4.365%, which is the highest since when? 2007. 2007. Do you know what happened soon after that? The world blew up. The financial system blew up. The great financial crisis happened. Destroyed everything. The whole world fell apart. And we've just been inflating away since that date. So we are now, the 10-year yield is at the, at the highest it's been since 2007. It's going up fast. You're seeing drastic changes over the past week. It's unbelievable.
And on top of that, what's really crazy is, this is from the Financial Times, hedge fund bets could spark turmoil in U.S. treasuries, the Bank of International Settlements warns. And the Bank of International Settlements is the central bank of central banks. So short positions in the two-year treasury futures reached record highs in August. So hedge funds are actually shorting the two-year treasury. Okay? And asset managers are going long on the 10-year. So they're going opposite directions. But the hedge funds usually know what's going on. And if they're reaching record highs of shorting, they're shorting the bond market. They're saying, hey, the bond market might blow up. And what do we have tomorrow? The Fed meeting. And what might happen? They might increase another 25 basis points. And if they do that, this stuff takes time to go through the economy. We're most likely going to have a hard landing of hard landings. Just think about walking uh, to your car. And you're just mining, you're looking at your phone and then you get uh uppercut from Mike Tyson in his prime. That's probably what we're looking at. But don't worry. Trust everything that you're told. Don't ask questions. Sit down, close your mouth and live in a FEMA camp. Peasant. Okay. I just want you to know what's going on now. By the way, if you know a lot of people have been laid off or you've been laid off, let me know in the comments. I'd love, I'd love to hear or just add, tweet at me at KOGZ. Um, also subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to the John the Kogan show. Five-star rating would really, really help on Apple podcasts or Spotify. Thank you so much. Appreciate you being a fan. So, uh, so much to get into. Oh, <laughs> speaking about just the chaos. Uh, so it really does seem like the current administration, this is not a political statement. We're just observing facts and calling it out that the current administration seems to be doing everything that is opposite of what's best for American citizens, sending all of our money to overseas countries that people would never even have talked about seven years ago. Like, suppose they could have picked any random country and been like, we need to save democracy, send them $100 billion. It could have been like, I don't know, Uganda. They would be like, oh my God, people would have their flag in the butt. It'd be crazy, okay? It'd be a cult. Uh, it's so weird. Like, you can't pick a more random country than Ukraine. It's one of the most random. It's really incredible. Like the propaganda is strong. I'm not, that's nothing against Ukraine at all, obviously. I'm just saying that's incredible how powerful the propaganda is. Well, guess what? In addition to that, with oil prices, the uh, price per barrel is actually going higher. I think it was at $92. They might be shooting up, which by the way, the higher it goes, the better Putin can fund the war, the more money he makes. So he wants prices to go up. And so Saudi Arabia is weaponizing oil. Russia, they're weaponizing oil. They're trying to increase the prices and drain the West. Okay. All of our weapons are leaving, and obviously Biden, for a few votes in the midterms, depleted the SPR, the Strategic Petroleum Reserves. Well, guess what he just said? Biden says depleting SPR is on table, Wall Street Journal reports. The Strategic Petroleum Reserve, the SPR, was created in the 1970s to prevent this from happening again, gas lines that created havoc in the U.S. economy. But today, the definition national emergency has been expanded to mean Biden's reelection. So if necessary, drive the SPR to zero. If this means a total economic crisis between 2025 to 2028, there is no problem as long as Biden wins in 2024. We're at the lowest level since like 1983. It's unbelievable. Should the SPR go to zero, the engineering says refilling is prohibitively expensive. But a cheap solution is to designate drilling in the Alaskan National Wildlife Reserve, the ANWR, as the new SPR. But what happened two weeks ago? They canceled that very thing. So they're getting rid of all of, they're getting rid of the SPRs, possibly. 
and then they're getting rid of the safety valve. And I'm not saying they should, you know, they should drill in Alaska. That's not what I'm saying. No, I'm just pointing out that they're shutting down all. We have more energy, natural resources in America than any other place. We don't rely on anybody. Totally can be energy independent. But instead, we get it from Venezuela. We get it from Saudi Arabia. It makes no sense whatsoever. All right? No sense. We could be totally independent. But we choose not to. If they deplete the reserves, and they probably will, and they eliminate this Alaskan wildlife uh, option, which means that they have no options, what else are you supposed, what conclusion are you supposed to come to besides the fact that it seems like they're trying to hurt or weaken America? It's unbelievable. By the way, that was from Jim Bianco, great uh, macro analyst, finance guy, Bianco Research uh, on X. So please give him a follow. I can't believe this. This is bananas, okay? This is, you know we live in an upside down world if you've been listening to the Jonathan Cogan show. You know left is right, up is down. Everything's opposite. But it's getting crazy. And you know that things are going to get more crazy before they become somewhat normal, which they've never been. But at least I was living in the Matrix and it felt like, you know, everything was organic. It felt like there was no orchestration behind the scenes. It felt like it was just a happy world and everyone's just chilling. You know, I enjoyed being in the Matrix. I loved it. It was great. I had no idea I was being controlled. I had no idea every single behavior I did was influence. And psychologically, uh, it was psychological war against me and that they weren't even my own impulses. They were like subliminal messaging from like massive multinational corporations telling me to buy seed oils and stuff and kill myself slowly. And so I could rely on big pharma for the rest of my life. I didn't know that, but I loved it. I loved it. Now I see the whole world as it is. And man, it's nasty out there. It's nasty out there. I mean, everything's on full display. Half the world sees it. Half the world doesn't. That's why it's so polarized because half the world's awakened. Half the world is not, particularly in the West, just the West. But that's why we got to share this podcast so people know what's going on. I mean, it is crazy. So, uh, so much to get into. So, you know, let's get into Russell Brand real quick. Russell Brand. So Russell Brand is being accused of sexual assault, rape, um, you know, hurting women. And this just came out. It was done by like the three largest uh, news providers, like in London. They all teamed up to do this, like Channel 4, the London Times, all of them. They all teamed up to do this investigation. Now, what I'm about to say has nothing to do with the validity of those claims, of those allegations. Even if they're true, they're from like 2006. I think the latest one is from 2013. I just have a question. Why did you not expose this? And do this same due diligence in 2014. What about 2015? How about 2016? How about 2017? 18? 19? How about 20? What about 21? 22 is good? No. 23. Why not all those years? Why not all those years were you looking for this? So even if they're true, it is extremely sketchy and suspect that when this man, who is actually... The, he was he was loved in the press. He was beloved, particularly by the people who own the press, which is the left. Okay, this isn't me speaking of political. It's just the left love him. Okay, they said he was like communist and he's amazing, and he was just such a darling of the news as I. All right, now he is a recovering addict, sex addict, and drug addict, and has a family, and is speaking out about against COVID vaccines government 
uh, the most powerful people in the world, one of the most outspoken and successful in the past couple of years, anti-establishment critics in the world. One of the, one of the top. He's been one of the most destructive forces in truth in the last few years. And now you're going to go after him for all this stuff? Now, let's say it is true. Terrible. He should be in trouble. You know, you should, uh, there should get um, adequate sentences. And, you know, he should be in serious, serious trouble. That is no joke. We don't mess around like that on this podcast. Yes, 100%. We care about the merit of the claims if it's, you know, if you're innocent or guilty. And then the correct punishment based on that result. But you have to ask yourself, when you start speaking about the topics you're not allowed to talk about, and then you have a coordinated attack from the largest news organizations, which, by the way, you're taking business from, because people like uh, you and others who listen to this podcast listen to Russell over Channel 4, because Channel 4 is lying and spitting out propaganda and telling you to cheer nuclear war and die and eat seed oils and kill yourself and become obese and just give yourself a booster every two months you know like it's christmas um and uh and russell is has been speaking truth especially since 2019 you can't deny it and he's been disruptive and they can't have that you can't do that you cannot call out klaus you can't call out your favorite software developer entrepreneur philanthropist bill gates you cannot call out these heroes Okay, because all they want to do is save the world, and all you need to do is keep your mouth shut while they save the world, and then everybody will be saved. And everyone will be six feet under, and the whole world will be ran by about 300 people, and they're gonna have all the land they want. And guess what? They save the environment because they decrease the population, just like the degrowth agenda since the 70s too much population, not enough resources. We've got to get rid of the peasants, and now they're actually becoming successful. I mean, excess mortality is still higher than average than below the pandemic levels. No one's talking about it. No, no one's talking about it. But they are telling you to get your booster. They're going to give you a booster until you start pooping out boosters, okay? You're going to be able to reuse or give your friends boosters from your poop because they are just going to form like a booster from having so many boosters. They're not going to call them boosters. Because the goal was, I don't mean to get sidetracked, but the goal was they had to create an adult schedule. The childhood schedule was so lucrative, but they maxed it out. They got, well, they're still going. They have 77 on there. They're going to they're gonna go forever. It's just in perpetuity. The business model says get as many vaccines on there. They're going to have 4,000 in the next you know 10 years. Well, they need another business line, another revenue stream. Adults. Let's create an adult schedule. And that's what this is, baby. And there are people out there that are adhering to it and thinking that these people are heroes, even though they're all literally serial criminals, which you're going to hear at the end of this podcast. So Russell Brand there now they did try to make one of the text messages, which is legitimate and not good, look like it was something that it wasn't. So one of it read was that uh, when a girl like when I say no, it means no. And, and it was kind of portrayed like, oh, you know, she said no to having uh, sex and he raped her. What it was actually referring to, and this still is not good and could still be criminal, is not using a condom. Okay. She wanted to use a condom. Uh, he didn't, and he didn't do it. And so then she went to a rape center and got tested and has all the documents supporting it. And that is bad. And that's criminal. And if that's true, he needs to be held liable for those actions. But the, that, that is honestly as important as that is. For what's the magnitude of what's going on in this world and who's shaping it and the just 
insanity that's going on in front of our eyes. The underlying most important issue on this topic is why now and why the perfect coordination and why is he on the cover of every mainstream news over the weekend at the same time and everybody's saying the same thing like clockwork. It's exactly the cancel culture attack from the matrix. You can't deny it. Again, if it's true, it's true and he needs to be reprimanded and get in trouble. Absolutely. But that is second to the fact that what is going on? They need to take him out. That means he's making a dent in the narrative. They will eventually come for everybody. And Russell's a big target. And so they put a lot of resources on, you know, destroying him. Are they going to win? Now, this is going to be a big test. Is this community going to stand up for one another when one gets attacked? It's the, let me tell you why they do this. They do this in the hopes that someone who doesn't follow the news like we do and tell you the truth, they just hear it, you know, kind of like, you know, hearsay from somebody else or in the background on TV. And so therefore they'll never go look at his content or listen to anything because he, Russell Brand, bad, Russell Brand, rape. And they'll never, they'll never ever look into the content. That's the goal of this attack. Never go listen to Russell Brand, rape, bad, do not listen to him. Will it work? I think that's up to everybody. Whenever the media says, do not listen to this person, this person is the worst person, I immediately go listen to their full catalog of stuff and I realize that they're 99% probably telling the truth and it makes perfect sense. It's like, wow, what is going on? The world's backwards. So hopefully more and more people are seen like this, but that's the goal of the attack. There's no question this is a matrix attack. We're not talking about the validity of the claims. We're talking about the fact that this is orchestrated and done. This is an attack on the peasants from the elites. We are under attack from all angles. And this is a representation of that. So let's see if, you know, he's guilty. But the most important thing is, at least in America, in the West of freedom, you are always innocent until proven guilty. Let me, let me, let me, let me repeat that. Ready? Innocent until proven guilty, beyond a shadow of a doubt. So you're innocent until you're proven guilty. Not guilty until proven innocent. Okay, this is in North Korea. You're innocent until proven guilty. And YouTube, immediately, on the back of these claims, they comes out, and then the next day, boom, YouTube demonetizes his channel for saying he's a threat to the community, a bad influence, all this stuff. Everybody is piling at the same time. Channel 4, YouTube, everybody is playing the same game. And if you are, if YouTube's going to play this game of being guilty until proven innocent, that is a dangerous precedent. That is so dangerous for them to demonetize it based on allegations. That means anyone you don't like what they're saying, you just go out to, don't go to the cops or anything. Just make an allegation to the press and get their revenue, their income as a human destroyed. Get them demonetized. You just anybody who's alternative media, if you're the mainstream media, you should set up every single top news. Uh, whether it's Kim Iverson, you know, whether it's uh, Crowder, whether it's Russell Brand, uh, whether it's Joe Rogan, that's, that one's a little tougher. But any of them, just get them all, every one of them, even if it's not true, whatever, that'll be proven later. Get, get allegations that they all did sexual assault, they're all guilty, they'll all be demonetized, and by the time the truth comes out that they didn't do it, they have no money, it's over. Because the mainstream 
is losing every they're not the mainstream the corporate press is losing all their power and they're hanging on and so they're shooting for everything they are trying to wipe out alternative media they will not wipe us out they will not wipe you out we need to support one another okay instead of buying a cable package give five dollars a month to a creator that you listen to go to their locals and support them give them a thanks with a money sign on youtube go to patreon.com forward slash ownership economy and donate to the pod things like that support one another this is the time community matters more now than ever i can't express that enough and so why are people questioning this stuff well viva fry um i'll pull up his tweet and it, you know brings up a, you know a pretty good point why people are questioning this he goes donald trump alleged sexual assault from 25 plus years ago and the woman uh eugene carroll or ever uh what, is that what her name was, Carol? When she was on uh, CNN with um, uh, Anderson Cooper, he was like, yeah, rape. She's like, yeah, that's sexy. Cooper, you're fascinating. It was the weirdest interview of all time. Like, okay, maybe there's some sketchy stuff to that case. Brett Kavanaugh, the Supreme Court judge, alleged sexual assault from 30 plus years ago. Julian Assange, alleged rape, which was all false. It was all to slander his name. Get people, you get them locked up. Get rid of WikiLeaks. Too powerful, doing too good of work. Get rid of Julian Assange create fake rape cases elon musk alleged anti-semitism and alleged sexual harassment joe rogan alleged racism tucker carlson alleged racism russell brand alleged rape from 15 plus years ago andrew tate alleged rape and human trafficking stephen crowder alleged psychological abuse matt gates alleged sex trafficking he says the blue pill will look at this list and say see they're all bad people the red pill will see a very different common denominator edit added joe rogan and forgot about the sexual harassment allegations against elon musk also missing work. So it's fair to question you. After everything that's happened, everything should be questioned. But the most important foundation is you're innocent until proven guilty. No actions can be taken until you are guilty. And so the present YouTube setting is they are going after alternative media. They're going to come after us. They're going to come after everybody. And we must band together. For brothers, we are thou. I just made that up, but you know, it sounds good. Okay. So, uh, man, so much again do. So, Speaking about, this is basically regulatory capture to some degree, okay? It's big government working with big business to get rid of the small guy, the small player, so that they can just have a stranglehold. It's actually what the real definition of fascism is, the store, the fusion of, store, of state and corporate power. That's literally what this is. Like YouTube teaming up with the U.S. government, Google teaming up you know, with the Congress to skew votes and all this stuff. Fix elections, even though they're safer than ever. Most safe election of all time, don't question it. Okay, um, so uh, speaking about regulatory capture, there was a great piece. I'm going to play a little bit for you, and then again, we're going to play the incredible video by David Martin, at least some of it, and then you can listen to the rest. But it, it's incredible. There's a lot. Oh, man, we're not going to get into all this. Um, well, before we get into that regulatory capture, I do want to just give you an update on something that has happened. So remember the intelligence officials that said that uh, Hunter's laptop was Russian disinformation? They all signed the paper. Uh, before the debate between Trump and Biden, it was all a lie. They knew it was a lie. They had the laptop, I believe in 2019, they knew it was Hunter's, and they literally signed it and lied. The CIA people, well, breaking. the Biden, This is from Kanakoa the Great, incredible ex-account. Breaking, the Biden administration has appointed James Clapper, John Brennan, and Paul Kobe, former intelligence officials, to a DHS Homeland Intelligence Experts Group handling national security issues. Interesting year before the election. These individuals signed the fraudulent October 2020 letter deceptively asserting that Hunter Biden's laptop was likely Russian disinformation. 
This falsehood significantly impacted the closely contested 2020 election decided by a mere 44,000 vote margin in Georgia, Arizona, and Wisconsin. Why select intelligence officials who intentionally spread disinformation to sway a U.S. election for a role in a DHS expert group tasked with national security? Shouldn't they be losing their security clearances? And then here's a clip from Homeland Security website. Secretary Mayorkas announces establishment of Homeland Intelligence Experts Group. He's letting anybody come through the border illegally. I don't know why that, why people is, why, I don't understand, I still can't understand the logic of letting illegal people who we know nothing about just to go anywhere they want in the country and we don't know what's going to happen. Millions. It's bizarre, but whatever. John Brennan, James Clapper, Paul Copa, they lied. They intentionally lied to deceive the public. They're being rewarded. Remember, the way to succeed is that the more wrong you do, the better pay, the better promotions you get. The establishment is opposite day. So do bad and we will do good for you. That's what's happening. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. So speaking about this regulatory capture, Bill Gurley uh, presented at the All In Summit a great presentation. I, I highly recommend you go listen to all of it, but I'm going to play just one example of how this all, he talks about how, it, how he, the, the uh, regulatory capture with the COVID tests and how it's all corrupt. And so there's multiple examples. And so please go listen to the All In Summit. Bill Gurley presents 2,851 miles presentation on the All In podcast. But I'm going to play one example. It's Epic, the healthcare records company that's private actually how this corruption and how deep it runs. It's ridiculous. So I just want to play one for you because you probably haven't heard it and it's so good. So here's one example of how corrupt the establishment is. And this is the top venture capitalist of all time, Bill Gurley. Here we go. Let's put up the volume a little bit. I promise you this is worth listening to. I'm just trying to play one clip from it that you'll enjoy so then you can go listen to the rest. So take a listen. Like that's what happens. All right. Two really good stories. You might not even believe them because they're so outlandish. Does everyone know who Epic is? It's hard to know because they're not public. It's a very large private company in Wisconsin that is the largest player in medical EHR software, medical records. And this is their CEO, Judith Faulkner. Now, in, get the year right, 2009, Obama put her on his health IT council. She was the only corporate representative. Should not surprise you that um, she's a major donor to Obama. Now, Obama passed the American Recovery Act. That was his big piece of stimulus, kind of like Biden's Inflation Act that happened recently. And tucked underneath that, easy to hide in this big bill, is an act that was, the acronym's high tech. It's this health information technology thing. And then they created an agency called ONC that oversaw it. Now, this is the part you're not going to believe. They came up with a brilliant idea. I have to assume she helped encourage this. Um, doctors would receive $44,000 each if they bought software. $38 billion. This is true. You can look it up. I'm not making it up. $44,000, give it to a doctor implement some software. Many of you run companies, that'd be pretty cool, right? The government passed the law, if they buy your software, they get money. Make it a lot easier. <laughs> now, you may be thinking, are doctors needy? But here's the catch. You remember, this happened because of the mortgage meltdown. Doctors own multiple homes, so they have multiple mortgages. So they, <laughs> like, 
They probably needed the assistance. Now, there's two more things about this act. They're also unbelievable. First, there's a, there's a flaw. If, if someone said, yeah, I'm going to pay people to buy software, most people would be like, well, you're going to have a problem. They're going to buy it, and they're not going to use it, right? Well, they thought of that. So guess what? The second phase, doctors got paid $17,000 more to prove they were using it. It was called meaningful use, plastered all over the website of all the HR vendors at the time. It gets even better. So the, the ONC decided the threshold of features you would need for your software to comply with this mandate. And I'm assuming they kind of took Epic's feature set and plowed it into this spreadsheet. But they got the Department of Justice to enforce people that didn't have the feature set that were getting the payments. And you had three record fines, $155 million, $57 million, $145 million against the lesser competitors of Epic. Unreal. If you've studied uh, the innovator's dilemma, the way startups disrupt is they come in with lower feature products, but a, a feature that really matters to the customer and a simpler product, and they move up. They put a brick wall there so you couldn't come up. Um, it's just amazing. Um, Obama, in an interview with Ezra Klein, said this was the most disappointing part of Obamacare. I mean, I think if any of us were in the room when they scratched this thing out, I could have told them that it would have failed. I mean, paying people to do stuff is just, it's not going to work. Now, you may ask, am I, am I unhappy with Judith? I'm disgusted with it. But, but if I were a judge in the Olympic regulatory capture competition, I'm giving her a 10. This is fantastic. Fantastic. All right, one more. <laughs> so then he, go he goes on and talks about many, many more. I, I, I highly implore you to go listen to it. It's really, really good. It's very informative. You're going to enjoy it, I promise. You know I only recommend the best. That's why you come to the pod for the best of the best. All right. So, uh, yeah, we're going to do the daring gap. But uh, we're going to end with this. I'm going to play the beginning of David Martin. I wasn't going to do this, but you need to hear it because if you haven't heard it, it's probably one of the most important talks. I mean, his other ones were pretty important. Uh, but uh, I just want to make sure you've heard this. I'll play the beginning of it. Maybe I'll play the whole thing. Uh, you do not want to miss this. This is probably the most, this is definitely the most important part of this podcast episode. Dr. David Martin. Uh, uh, I mean, I'm literally speechless. It's so important. I'll read what this guy said in X this is from Blake. Most important video on the internet, Dr. David E. Martin calls for total destruction of the World Health Organization, WHO, for crimes against humanity and bioterrorism. This is from September 13th, 2023. This just happened. He bravely expo exposed the criminal cartel, who, planet, funded, created, deployed, and profit from it. And I'm just going to play it. Uh, I'm not even going to get into what else he said uh, in the X, the tweet. So uh, here we go. Take a listen to his presentation. a very small number of criminal industrial conspirators decided to subordinate the entirety of the human population for the purpose of their sinister plans make sure it to loads enrich properly. themselves while impoverishing and killing the rest of humanity. And I'm done being polite. 
We've long passed polite. When the words acceptable death rate become part of an industrial norm, we have lost the plot of humanity. And that's not my words. Those were the words of the World Health Organization and of Pfizer and of Moderna when they were given the authorization to begin the process of killing human beings in the interest of advancing their goals. Next slide. And I'm also not going to sugarcoat this. This is a criminal cartel. We are acting as though there's some sort of redeemable quality somewhere in some esoteric layer that somehow or another the World Health Organization must have some salutatory benefit. Well, I'm going to tell you, since its formation in the 1940s, the World Health Organization has been nothing more than a criminal cartel that has a sole and singular intent. And I will show you the document that proves what I'm saying. This is not an allegation. This is actually provable by their own words in their own hand. And they use a four-step process to execute every one of their nefarious plans. They begin... Hold on. Just have to make sure it's going. And by planning an exercise, then they go to the business of funding that exercise, then they create the rationale for the thing that they're going to do, and then they deploy and profit from it. And in violation of 15 U.S. Code Section 19, which for those of you listening, coincidentally started with the Clayton Act in the same year that the World Health Organization in the United States, 1913, the same year the World Health Organization's progenitors also started. So I find it fascinating that we passed the Clayton Act in 1913 and we set in motion 110 years ago the criminal conspiracy, which we now call the World Health Organization, 110 years later. And in violation of TFU, or TFU, I don't know even how to say it, the TFEU, the treaty allegedly for the functioning of the European Union, which I think needs to now be called the treaty for the dysfunctional European cabal. Article 101 unambiguously lays out the conditions that this was never a public health anything. It racketeering for the purpose of instilling terror to adapt the behavior of a population, period. That's what it, that's what it always was. And we can come up with every theoretical argument we want to make about things. But the problem, even with the theory that we had an outbreak of something, is falsifiable for the data from Zurich that shows us that in the year of the death pandemic of the globe, life insurance companies paid $30 billion less in claims. Now, if there's a medical professional or a social professional or anybody else who wants to debate that we could develop a virus cunningly that could find out your bank account, your insurance policy statements, and whether you're paid up on your premiums, that's a big ask. It turns out that the data is unambiguous. We did not have a pandemic. We had genocide. And we need to call it what it is. Next slide. When I say we planned it, let's make sure we understand exactly the not so fine print of the fine print. 
And I want to call your attention first to the right-hand column of the slide. This is the 2011 data that the World Health Organization, the Wellcome Trust, PATH, and the Gates Foundation did on their wonderful worldwide program for a malaria vaccine for children under the age of six months of age. And in their clinical trial, it's helpful to point out that they murdered 66 children in the vaccine group and then cunningly, cunningly used the term control for a control group in which they murdered 28 children. Now, the reason I said murdered and the reason why I use that term is because it's exactly what it was. Because it turns out that this control group was not a saline injection. It was not some sort of innocuous, innocent thing. It was actually a cocktail of other known pathogenic disease carrying injections. The control group was known to kill people and the experimental control group was actually theoretically maybe going to kill people. And what we did was we actually went ahead and murdered them all. So sick. And cunningly, under Article 5, Section 13, which I've put on this slide, I want you to understand why I said at its formation in 1947, when the WHO was funded and founded, it was funded and founded by people intent to commit a crime because of their own language. Section 13 of Article 5 ends with the following statement. Immunity from personal arrest or detention, blah, blah, blah. Immunity from legal process of every kind. Now, if you didn't intend to commit a crime, why would you need to give yourself permanent and absolute immunity from every form of prosecution and its worse, even investigation for prosecution of every kind. People sit there and pretend, well, that's like diplomatic immunity. Do you realize this isn't even meeting the standard of diplomatic immunity? This is a criminal organization who set in motion their own law to protect themselves against crimes they knew they were going to commit. And when I say they knew they were going to commit, I mean they knew it because their first director general, none other than Dr. René San, who happened to be in the hospitality of the Germans in Dachau in 1940, earlier, in 1947, mysteriously, with the largesse of the Rockefeller Foundation, was nominated to become the first director general of the WHO. And within five short years, René Sand decided to authorize the real purpose of the WHO in writing by then Director General Dr. Brock Chisholm, who advocated for population control as its primary objective. Does that sound like public health to anyone in this room? This is not public health. This is the advancement of the same genocidal program that began with the Carnegie Foundation's funding of the eugenics office at Cold Spring Labs in the United States in 1913 under the philanthropy, philanthropy of Andrew Carnegie. People, stop fooling yourself. We debate the leaves on the tree of what we call this pandemic thing, but we're not going to the root. This was an organized crime racketeering entity set up to give itself first absolute immunity 
and then execute its plans to make sure it controls who lives, who dies, and who gets any chance at life. And if you think that I am somehow inflating numbers, let me be unambiguous. Under every treatment of tax provision, if I were to tell you that there is an 88% controlling interest of any organization, you might conclude that that, that actually aggregates into a controlling interest. And it turns out that if we look at the foundation donations to the World Health Organization, 88% of those come from a single organization, the Gates Foundation. That constitutes a violation of every competitiveness law in Europe and every competitiveness law in the United States. This is absolutely not only not an independent, charitably funded donation, but more importantly, under the tax laws on both sides of the Atlantic, this constitutes directed donations, which specifically are forbidden and do not have any place anywhere in the charter of the World Health Organization or any of the UN-affiliated organizations. When I say this is a crime, I mean it's a tax crime, a racketeering crime, a money laundering crime, and now the crime of racketeering leading to murder and global terrorism. Next slide. I told you that the second thing after they plan it is they fund it. And why don't we use the criminal's language in their own words, because it's the best way to say it. When they actually planned the release of the use of a biologically modified chimera associated with the model derived from coronavirus, they actually said the following. To sustain the funding base beyond the crisis, we need to increase the public understanding for the needful medical countermeasures such as a pan-influenza or pan-coronavirus vaccine. Now, let me pause for just one moment and remind you that the crisis that they were speaking of was a crisis of diminishing funding. There was no health crisis. This was a crisis of their coffers were starting to run dry. That's the crisis. And let's read on. A key driver is the media and the economics will follow the hype. We need to use that hype to our advantage to get to the real issues. Investors will respond if they see profit at the end of the process. That is officially the statement made by the conspiratorial cabal that by that time was the decade of vaccines put in motion in 2011 by the Global Preparedness Monitoring Board of the World Health Organization, and it was the funding base for Peter Daszak's partnership with the chimeric production of pathogens, both in North Carolina and in Wuhan. So don't tell me that we have to do an investigation into where this came from. The criminals have admitted to it in their own words. Next slide. And now we get the fun one that no one in Congress is willing to address, which is the elephant in the room. On October the 21st, 2014, despite the multiple conversations between Senator Rand Paul and Anthony Fauci, where we've been told that Rand Paul has done everything he can to put Fauci on the ropes, he has had in his possession the letter that you see on the left. 
and it is the letter, conveniently on NIAID letterhead, sent to the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, which unambiguously states that during the gain-of-function moratorium, which, by the way, if we use the word moratorium, feels like that means you're supposed to stop. Why don't we go ahead and look at two pieces of this letter. First, the second bullet under Project 1, which, by the way, was not part of the original grant. This was to look at the novel functions of the virus pathogenesis in vivo. You know what that means? In vivo. It's loading. Just in case you're listening. It's about 12 minutes and 26 seconds through. Living systems. The grant was supposed to be clinical simulations and models. But this grant was modified with this letter to say we were going to authorize gain-of-function research during the moratorium in living systems. And then we love the last paragraph of this letter, which conveniently says, as your grant is currently funded, this pause is voluntary. How many times have you met a voluntary moratorium? And the best part about it is that if we look at the very last line, or continue to conduct the applicable gain-of-function research until the end of the currently active budget period. But here comes the problem. You know who is supplying the budget? An indefinite term, unlimited amount, contract from DARPA and from NIH. Isn't it convenient to have a perpetually funded project that needs to stop when the money runs out, when you find out that there is no point where the money runs out? because there is no end to the thing that has no end. Unless you think that I'm making an allegation, which I'm not, I'm making an accusation. Let's be clear. And there's a big difference. I'm not alleging anything. They actually went to the trouble of telling us that it was going to be the Wuhan virus that was gonna get us. As you see on the right-hand side of the screen, Published in 2016, March 14th of 2016, the SARS-like Wuhan Institute of Virology Virus 1, and I quote, is poised for human emergence. Does that sound like we're just surprised that something in Wuhan went a little haywire in December of 2019? Or does it feel like we were told, look at Wuhan? And look at coronavirus, and look at what we've been doing to manipulate coronavirus in Wuhan and in the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And lo and behold, we're going to go ahead and tell you that we're ready to release it in 2016. Next slide. We're almost done. And then they created it. Now, all of you know that I am criticized globally for my use of the term biological warfare. I do that because I am credentialed to do that. I happened to be, for the United States government, in the early part of the 2000s and the latter part of the 90s, a person who was sent around the world to look at the proliferation of biological and chemical weapons. I'm acutely familiar with the definition of what a biological warfare agent is in the 18 U.S. Code, the criminal code, of violations of biological and chemical weapons. 
And so my assessment is in fact professional and right. And the reason for that is I'm the one credentialed to make that determination for the United States government for many years. That's why I say it. But let's pretend for the moment that I'm just a nut job. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. So why don't we look at what the criminals said themselves, shall we? In 2005, at a conference sponsored by DARPA and the MITRE Corporation, Ralph Barrick, the architect of the lethal strand that has been injected into millions and billions of people's arms, that Ralph Barrick was sponsored to present the following, and let's go ahead and use his words, presentation. Synthetic coronaviruses, biohacking, bio-warfare enabling technologies. Does that sound like a public health distribution program? Does that sound like something that is accidentally misinterpreted to mean something else? Or does biological warfare enabling technology sound like not countermeasures or pandemic preparedness? It sounds to me like biological warfare enabling technologies. And the reason why I have that hunch is what followed was he received next to his NIAID grants non-competitive DARPA grants in matching funds for over $140 million of aggregate funding going into his and his related programs on synthetic biological warfare enabling technologies. So do I have a problem calling the injection a biological warfare enabling technology? Absolutely not, because that's what they called it. And we know that they knew they called it that on September 18, because on September 18, 2019, the racketeering, co-conspiring cabal of interlocking directorates, also known as the World Health Organization, said that they were going to conduct an experience for the world that was going to be a rapidly spreading pandemic due to a lethal respiratory pathogen. The lethality in that statement is the problem. They didn't say we're going to maybe get a little bit of sniffles going around. They said we were going to actually have the promulgation of a deadly agent. And the stated reason in September 2020, the progress indicator is that the world would accept a universal vaccine. Not we'll look at other options of treatment, not We'll have a look at what might be early intervention, as Dr. McCullough has so clearly advocated for in many, many, many instances. Not that. We stated on September 18th, 2019, we were intending to kill. And we were intending to kill to create the fear that would drive people to accept something that without coercion, no one would have accepted. And that's published by the criminal racketeers. Next slide, and there's only two to go if you're following. Deploy and profit from it. We were told investors will respond if they see profit at the end of the process, and lo and behold, guess what they saw? Profit at the end of the process. 2022, $100 billion for Pfizer of public funds. Moderna, 
after lying to the Congress in October of 2020 when they were asked to actually verify whether NIAID was promoting an injection that would enrich NIAID, where Anthony Fauci and the entire team at NIH said that they had no financial interest in their recommendation, they receive a back payment royalty of $400 million for the first payment of the royalty. $400 million. More than any Institute of Health has ever received in a single payment for a single invention in the history of American medical research. And lo and behold, what do we receive after that? A request from the World Health Organization to expand its budget by 11% to make sure that the people who profited from it donate to it. And guess what they just did? They laundered the money right back. That's what they did. Next, and now you get the final slide. This is not a public health crime. This is actually not a constitutional crime. This is a criminal act done by a criminal institution established to enable criminal behavior since its foundation in 1947. That is what this is. And we should not be debating the merits of democracy or liberty or anything else as irrational as that would be if we stood at a bank robbery and debated the merits of printing dollar bills. The problem is not the dollar bills, it's the bank robber. And the problem here is. It's wrapping up here. <clears throat> not health and it's not public health, and it's not the suppression of information and the suppression of dissident views and the absolute unconscionable treatment of physicians around the world and academicians around the world who spoke out against this. That's not the crime. The crime is that we had criminal racketeers who consp conspired and developed a, quote, emergency. The same criminal racketeers planned, manufactured, and did all agency capture to make sure that you were told that you would use terms that they tell you to use, vaccine, face mask, health, social distancing, none of which had ordinary use definition. So we just used them. Criminal racketeers price fixed with interlocking directorates where known competitors came together and fixed prices in direct collusion in violation of both European Union standards and in violation of both the Sherman and the Clayton Act in the United States. These were crimes, it was organized crime, and we should treat it as such. Criminal racketeers publicly lied under oath, and this resulted in the death and destruction of liberty, and most importantly, the death and destruction of the integrity of well-meaning people who sit here today doing everything they can within their power to try to treat the calamities created by this catastrophe. I will not for a moment denigrate the multiple contributions of amazing academic and medical professionals who've tried desperately to step into the gap and stop the corrupt outcomes of these crimes. But I will, without doubt, say the following. Until we treat this as a criminal conspiracy of criminal racketeers resulting in global terrorism for the purpose of profiteering and murder, until we have that conversation, we're having the wrong conversation. 
because we are not here to debate the merits of a modified agreement for a criminal racketeering organization. We are here to end the criminal organization itself. This is my call to every single person on this planet. Don't just limit the power of the who. Destroy the who. Thank you very much. Wow, Dr. David Martin. Unbelievable. You heard the whole thing here. I had to share everything with you. That's what that's why this podcast is here. You very rarely hear the truth. Please share this with everybody you know, at least the last part. You could put a timestamp on it and share in the link so it starts at that point. They don't need to listen to the nonsense in the beginning of this episode. This can't be on YouTube. Share this globally. Do it for the people. This is we're all in this together. Unbelievable presentation by Dr. David Martin. And I'm just going to leave you with that. We had other stuff to talk about, but we'll catch up on it tomorrow. That's unbelievable. So for the Jonathan Kogan Show and your host, Johnny K, I'm out. I'll see you another day.